Chapter Six of The Girls of Saint Wode's. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. The Girls of Saint Wode's by L. T. Mead. Chapter Six. Bell the Sage. Bell Ackeson was an ideal scholarly girl of the latter end of the nineteenth century. She wore spectacles, not pitnay. Her hair was parted smoothly on her forehead and done up in a tiny knot or dab at the back of her neck. Her forehead was high, her complexion sallow, her eyes short sighted and small. She had a long upper lip and her mouth was thin and wide. In figure, she was extremely spare. Her feet and hands were large, and her shoulders angular. She was a plain girl, and she gloried in the fact. Belle Ackeson lived altogether for the joys of intellect. To learn was her delight. The more abstruse, the more dry, the science, the more eagerly did Belle absorb it, and make it part of herself. She was a good classical scholar, and she was also fond of modern languages. She studied Shakespeare, not for his beauty of language, but for his archaisms. She adored musty professors, and never had a good word to say for an athletic man. Her ambition was to carry off double firsts, and some people thought that she had a fair chance of obtaining this blue ribbon. Bell was an inmate of St. Wode's College, Wingfield. There were four halls of residence at St. Wode's, and Bell occupied an attic in North Hall. She had been there now for three terms, and had already made a profound impression on her tutors. She amassed knowledge with great rapidity. No nut was too hard for her to crack. Now, if there was a girl in the entire of England that Mrs. Chetwynd loathed, it was Belle Ackeson. Mrs. Ackeson was Mrs. Chetwynd's old friend. Their husbands had fought side by side in the same campaigns in India. They had belonged to the same regiment. She felt that nothing would induce her to desert her old friend. But alas, that old friend's daughter. It was fearful to think that such a girl was coming to pay a visit to Marjorie and Eileen at this important crisis in their lives. Can anything be done to prevent it? said Mrs. Chetwynd on the morning of the fatal day. She was addressing Letitia who was gradually getting herself more and more into the good woman's confidence. "'My dear Letty,' she said, "'I would honestly pay twenty pounds to any handsome driver to let his horse fall between here and Mrs. Atkinson's in order to give Belle a wrench of the arm, or a twist of the wrist, or something which would give her sufficient pain to send her home again. Then, as those are your very heathenish wishes, Aunt Helen, you may be quite certain that Belle will arrive in perfect health.' without any accident, not in a hansom, but in that two-horse conveyance which is meant for the convenience of the poorer people of London. Mrs. Chetwynd sighed. I beseech of you, dear, she said, not to leave the children alone with that pernicious girl. Stay in the room yourself. When you perceive that the conversation is getting into dangerous channels, turn it, my dear child. Now remember, Letty, I trust you. Everything depends on your discretion." I will do what I can, of course, Aunt Helen, but I must frankly admit that I shall have very little influence. 
i only wish providence had made you one of my daughters if you and marjorie for instance had been my daughters and eileen had been you then these things might have been quite pleasant for you would have influenced marjorie and brought her back again into the right ways as it is however as it is we must make the best of things said letitia there came a ring at the hall door and mrs ackeson and the redoubtable bell were ushered in mrs ackeson in her usual somewhat diffident manner kissed mrs chetwynd and then bell flew up to her and gave her a little peck on her cheek how do she cried where are the girls i am most anxious to see them at once pray don't ring i'll run up to them i know the old schoolroom i have a great deal to say you know i go up again next week and can think of nothing else but i determined that whoever else was left in the cold i must interview marjorie and eileen mother have you got my small virgil in your bag i am writing a paper on that great man and i wish to read it to the girls in order to get their opinion they know nothing whatever about the classics interrupted mrs chetwynd i believe they are going out for a walk would you like to go with them i don't think we shall have time for that replied bell i'll find them don't you trouble she nodded to mrs chetwynd and to her mother in a friendly off-hand style and left the room mrs chetwynd glanced at letitia of whom bell had not taken the slightest notice and the young girl followed the eccentric scholarly undergraduate of st wode's upstairs marjorie and eileen had an old-fashioned schoolroom at the top of the house they had cleaned it out themselves and put it into order according to their individual tastes it was now neat and bare marjorie still wearing her shabby serge dress was standing near an open window she was holding a long yellow canary on her finger and whistling to the bird who pecked at her in happy confidence eileen was putting some pins into a great rent in her petticoat the door was burst open and bell rushed in how do dears both she said in a friendly voice pray don't rush at me and devour me with kisses we never go on in that way at north hall my dear marjorie how you have grown oh i am pleased to see you in that plain serge dress and eileen petticoat out of order never mind here this pin will set it finally right do stop for a moment bell of course i am delighted to see you said marjorie but i must put daffodil back into his cage she crossed the room still holding the bird on her finger opened the door of his cage and let him fly in she then shut the cage door and came back to where her friend was standing i didn't know you wore spectacles bell she said yes dear my sight is bad i have been to wiesbaden to the celebrated oculist and he has ordered these special glasses i have astigmatism in one eye and have therefore to wear special spectacles by the way marjorie you look as if you ought to be short-sighted ought to be short-sighted said marjorie i am not i have excellent sight you ought to be repeated bell it gives one a distinguished look in all probability you will be very short-sighted when you come to college most scholarly girls i see by the shape of your brow that you are meant to be scholarly are obliged to wear spectacles when i come to college replied marjorie and i am supposed to be a scholarly girl delightful and yet i am not sure that i wish to be scholarly but what a dear delicious creature you are bell sit down do sit down thanks said bell she squatted down on a wooden bench 
in an ungainly fashion crossing one leg over the other letitia now advanced she had been standing near the door who is that young person said belle raising her very short-sighted eyes and staring hard at letty you know quite well who i am replied letitia i am the cousin who has always lived with the twins we are all three eighteen and we are coming out in about a week or a fortnight we are not coming out said eileen coming out cried marjorie now letty for goodness sake don't be silly you know that unpleasant matter has been arranged perhaps you would like to go down to the drawing-room to mother and mrs ackeson eileen and i have a great deal to say to belle no i mean to stay and listen replied letty i may have a good deal to say to belle on my own account stay if you wish to said belle but i don't suppose for a moment our conversation will interest you you are fashionable and that is quite enough marjorie what is it you have to say i want to ask you all about your life dear said marjorie eileen and i have left school we have come home and mother wishes us to go into society poor dear little mother the best of souls we are not going to allow her to order our lives certainly not said eileen we are going to take our lives into our own hands and we wish to consult you about the matter belle you are where did you say at st wode's college wingfield the place in all england where women who wish to distinguish themselves ought to receive training then would you recommend us to come to st wode's college asked eileen that i cannot say but i will tell you about it if you like by the way i wish that young person i beg her pardon letitia is my name said letty i wish letitia would sit so that i need not see that fashionable arrangement of her hair it irritates me terribly why should people waste time in fluffing and crimping their hair it not only ruins the hair and ages the appearance but what is of much more consequence it causes the unhappy victim to commit a sin yes a sin it wastes time and oh time is so precious i feel this more and more the longer i live each precious valuable moment has to be accounted for the brain is master of the body to enlarge the brain to cultivate the hear hear this is as good as a lecture said eileen go on please belle you are just the same dear odd delightful girl you always were whether i am delightful or not it is very rude of you to interrupt me said belle frowning she had no sense of humor and could see no fun in eileen's remark i will tell you both about the college if you really wish to learn she continued but i must not stay here long to-day for i have too much to do mother mentioned that you had come back from school and that your mother intended to take you at once into the whirlpool of frivolity which is given the name of society and when i heard that i thought it was my duty to tell you both plainly what i thought on the subject but that is unnecessary because you see we agree with you said marjorie well well so far so good but you want my advice now as to what you will do you distinctly intend to oppose your mother and that young girl with the fashionable head i really cannot see why i in my head should be dragged into this controversy said letitia i am not speaking i am simply sitting and listening may i not listen to the words of wisdom which drop from your lips you talk letty as if poor belle was minerva said eileen 
you know whatever we do you'll have to do because though you are fashionable and horribly neat in particular about your outward appearance you love us so well that you could not live without us there is some truth in that said letitia with a sigh well now stop wrangling you three said bell and let me speak you can go on with your quarrel when i am away but during the few moments that i can spare from my own heavy tasks for i have a vast deal to acquire before i return to college i surely may be allowed to say what i have come to say so good of you to come dear bell said eileen patting bell's long large angular hand bell snatched her hand away i hate being petted and fondled she said we never do that at north hall it is so schoolgirlish at least not those girls who are worth anything in every house of residence in every college there are drones poor useless creatures who follow the busy bees but at st wode's such dangerous adjuncts to the public peace are generally rooted out miss lauderdale our adored principal sees to that now girls if you wish to hear what the busy bees do i will tell you i wish you would begin said letty you do nothing but walk round the subject and never attack it i don't suppose it will interest you said bell but here goes by the way have either of you two as she spoke she turned to eileen and marjorie have either of you two ever been to st wode's college wingfield never said eileen but fay everett a girl at our school has a sister there and she sometimes describes the place to us she said the students rooms were so sweetly pretty and that each girl could exercise her own individual taste good gracious am i sitting here to talk of the girls who are supposed to have taste cried bell taste what is taste it is nothing but a device of the evil one for wasting time i am here to talk to you about the students the real students i for instance have a room would you like to know how my room is furnished letitia gave a perceptible shudder and walking to the window deliberately shut it what are you doing that for said eileen it is going to be a very hot day i felt a sudden chill said letty well do let the window remain shut what does it matter cried bell i have placed myself high above the mere influence of the weather is it hot is it cold i can never tell i simply don't know my mind is absorbed in abstruse speculations and such trivial matters as bodily discomforts cannot touch it oh girls it is grand to allow your mind to soar have you for instance ever dipped deep into the intricacies of virgil never said eileen she looked at marjorie i don't think after all she continued we wish to be so very learned our idea was to be just useful plain sort of women of course we should never think of marrying but we should like to be women who help their fellow-creatures who are ready to take their place in a sudden emergency we want to know a little about nursing something too about medicine we should not object to going through a regular course of household training but as to learning we don't want to be bookworms in that case why in the name of heaven have i been asked over here cried bell is my precious time to be wasted here she jumped up suddenly and confronted the two girls in her agitation and anger her spectacles dropped from her nose they fell with a crash on the floor and one glass was broken now what am i to do said bell 
oh the irreparable injury you two girls have done me one of my glasses is broken and i who have astigmatism in one eye cannot get it mended in a hurry it is cracked right across most fortunately i took the precaution to provide myself with another pair or i should be lost simply lost oh dear what a wasted afternoon but can't you tell us what you are going to say even without seeing us very plainly said eileen do bell sit down and be comfortable tell us everything we are not at all settled in our own minds as to what we will do yet you have a room and it is not ornamental well we don't care about ornamental rooms this room is bare is it not bare do you call this a bare room cried bell there are six chairs for instance do you ever expect to entertain six people in the room where you work in addition to the six ordinary chairs there is an armchair who wants to loll in an armchair there is also a bench on which i am now sitting tell me is a bench necessary as well as six ordinary chairs and an armchair are four tables required is that carpet essential does it stimulate the brain to keep the feet upon a carpet are those thick curtains necessary there are only traps to collect dirt blinds to the windows i grant are required or people might stare in oh yes i will allow blinds they are necessary now i will tell you about my room i have asked to be put in one of the attics the house is very full and the vice-principal of north hall miss penrose was quite willing to oblige me the attic was not furnished when i got it and i begged and implored of her to allow me to furnish it in my own way i have therefore a camp bed in one corner a particularly narrow one there is a small hard mattress on it the counterpane is colored it is dark blue and does not require to be washed often that is one item off the mind the mind my dear girls that is the minds of those who are students at st wode's college have such deep problems to solve that they cannot be fretted by external worries the minds of the real students must be left free to solve problems the intricacies of virgil the great masterpieces of homer dante in his magnificent original bell had now forgotten her auditors she ceased staring at them her glasses were useless her eyes were dim but nevertheless she herself was seeing visions marjorie patted her on the arm go on bell go on she said we will find out about virgil and homer and dante presently now what else have you in the room you cannot live in a room that contains nothing but a camp bed and a blind and at present that is all you have admitted i have a desk specially made for myself in the window continued bell there is a stool a high stool on which i sit the stool has no back i should scorn to lean back i have a shelf on the wall which contains my books my few books twenty in all standard works mostly in the classics amongst them are to be found polybius apian's civil war book one cicero's letters plato's republic bacon's novum organum aristotle's politics locke on the human understanding and good gracious letty was the one who made this exclamation quiet quiet letty do let her finish said eileen 
she kicked out her foot and gave Letty a poke. Letitia drew in her own neatly shod little foot and sat with her hands folded in her lap and her eyes dancing with suppressed mirth. I have a chair besides the one I occupy, continued Belle. That chair is for a friend, if a friend happens to come in. There is a small deal table upon which I never allow a cloth to be put, as it is apt to come off and spill the ink. Such waste of time sopping up ink. Often, in my moments of frenzy, have I jumped up suddenly and pulled the cloth with me. You don't know what I feel at times with the greatness of the thoughts which surge through my brain. Having spilt the ink three or four times, I have discarded the cloth. A wash-hand stand is of course essential, and there is a chest of drawers where I keep my things. By the way, how many dresses have you, Belle? said Eileen suddenly. Two? Have you two? I cannot tell you, replied Belle, turning her eyes towards Eileen and looking at her as if she did not see her. I have not the faintest idea what dresses I have. Mother supplies them. I put a dress on in the morning. I take it off at night. Occasionally, in the excitement of my thoughts, I have been known to come down to breakfast in an evening dress. I will admit that this has attracted attention and annoyed me, so as a rule I am careful to see that it is a morning dress which I am about to wear. "'But do you think evening dress is necessary at all?' said Eileen, in an anxious voice. "'We think it would be so much more useful to save our money. "'Marjorie and I mean to do great good in the world.' "'Then, if you will take my advice,' said Belle, jumping to her feet, "'you will come as soon as possible to St. Wode's. "'When you are there, I will talk to you again. "'I cannot waste any more time today. "'You will have to pass in responsions.' but doubtless that could be easily managed. Yes, when you are there, I shall do my utmost to guide you. Marjorie, just let me place my finger on your brow. I shall be able to tell you in a moment whether you will be able to manage Virgil. Marjorie submitted to this test with exemplary patience. Letty laughed aloud. You'll do, cried Belle. I'll just enter your name in my book. Marjorie Chetwind comes to St. Wode's College as soon as possible. The spring term begins in a fortnight, Marjorie, so you have little time to lose. Now, Eileen, let me look at you. Yes, you also would do well. But I think perhaps your forte will be modern languages and English literature. All lighter accomplishments you will, of course, eschew. Oh, please don't leave the room, said Letty, bounding forward, until you have placed your fingers on my brow to see what I am worth. Really, this is most interesting. You are a kind of magician, Belle. You will be one of the frivols, one of the drones of our hive, replied Belle sternly. Don't, I beg of you, come to St. Wode's. I can only tell you this, answered Letty, running after Belle as she was flying downstairs. If Eileen and Marjorie go, I mean to accompany them. End of chapter 6 Recording by Greg Giordano Newport Ritchie, Florida